If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So talking about the COVID situation, you've seen the numbers. And to look at the numbers, you might think Alberta should be a lot more concerned about our current COVID situation than we are. Life seemingly goes on. We have some restrictions in place, even as other provinces are bringing in much harsher restrictions. I mean, travel restrictions and curfews, full-on lockdowns in some places. Yet, on a per capita basis, our case counts are actually the highest in the country, and hospitalizations are creeping up more and more every day. There is a growing course of doctors and scientists warning about what might lie ahead for Alberta, though. Dr. Joe Vipon is on the front line, one of the guys working in the hospital, who has been speaking out about this, and he joins us now. Doctor, thanks so much for taking some time this morning. Oh, thanks for your interest. This is uh, important stuff. Yeah, it sure is. I think uh, a lot of people are tired of it. People are exhausted by COVID, but the fact of the matter is we're in a situation here, aren't we? Well, um, yeah, we have the highest uh, daily per capita cases um, in the country. We have the highest uh, active case rate in the country. I heard recently, I, I, I haven't actually seen the numbers, but somebody has stated that we just passed our active case rate that we had in the second wave. Um, and yet we don't have that same sense of urgency to to do what's necessary to limit this. Uh, so, so, yeah, we're in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, um, when we take a look at what's going on with our healthcare system, I mean, the numbers are not quite where they were at their highest point back in December, but they're awfully close. Just what is the current state of the healthcare system in Alberta right now? Um, yeah, I don't know specifically about the capacity of Alberta Health Services and the rest of that because I'm not uh, I'm not on the inside there. I can just talk to the explicit numbers. I can tell you that uh, our ICU rate is just bumping up against the the peak. So we're at 140 today. It was up 11 yesterday, and we're 11 from the peak, which was 151 that we hit on December 28th. Um, so uh, and and the important thing to know is that that peak in the second wave occurred three weeks after those big restrictions were announced on December 7th. So that's the kind of lag time we have in our system that in reacting to policy, once you know strong policy is announced, there is a lag to both hospitalizations and to ICU. So even if today, fingers crossed today, there are strong restrictions announced, we can expect another three weeks of rise. You know, if you take a look at it, and I think we might hear this today if we don't see restrictions coming in, I'm not 100% sure that we will. Um, if you take a look at the last four or five days, overall case counts and positivity have been dropping slightly. So we are seeing that come down. Could that be um, somewhat reassuring? Or is that lag time the overriding factor? Yeah, I think it's it's hard to know. I think the big variable that we don't know about is the, the case testing in Calgary. Calgary has the worst case, um, absolute cases in the province. Mm-hmm. And yet we're hearing stories that in Calgary, there's a five-day wait to get a, to get an appointment. I've heard of people driving to Drumheller, uh, driving to, to, to Red Deer to get their testing yeah. done. Um, so I don't know what kind of effect that um, issue in our testing system would have on the absolute numbers. Um, it's really hard to know. Um, so 
you know, is the positivity rate is dropping great. We need it to be below 5%. It's, uh, you know, between 8 and 9 at the moment. Um, and we need our our knots, our, our, our rate to be below 1. It's still above 1. Um, so we still have, a, a, you know, a, a rising but not a steeply rising um, uh, daily case rate. Uh, and just remember that everything takes a long time to pass through. And so in a perfect world, like, we need to have, a pretty steep drop in our case rates because we're going to have that bleed through of all the um, uh, current cases eventually making its way through our system. Um, we need an R that's substantially lower than one, you know, 0.97 or 0.95 is not going to cut it. That just means, you know, we're at above a thousand cases mm-hmm. for days to weeks. So there's a lot of factors that go into this. Um, is it positive that, uh, you know, they're not, you know, we're not a, in, steeply increasing like we were a week ago. Absolutely. I, I, I feel heartened by that. But um, I don't think we're out of the woods. The other side of this, of course, and, 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 you know, people will say, but we vaccinated the most vulnerable. We vaccinated so many of the people that are at risk for severe outcomes. Surely that should change the metrics around this third wave. Yeah. And I think there are some positive things to be seen. We actually have a much, much lower mortality rate this wave than we did in the second wave. Um, and I think that's a testament to the power of vaccination. Go and get vaccinated as soon as possible. Um, but it's important to recognize that so far we've vaccinated about 25% of our population. We're about three, what, 4.35 million um, people in this province, which still means there's you know over 3 million people that are uh, have not had a single vaccine, and even those that have been vaccinated haven't had the two. The vast majority haven't had the two vaccines, um, and a lot of them haven't even had the two weeks in between what it takes for when the vaccine occurs and when we actually have mm-hmm. substantial immunity. So, um, in my personal opinion, um, and I think it's important to say, I should have said this at the beginning, but these are the my views and not the views of Alberta Health Services or the Department of Emergency Medicine at, uh, in, in Calgary. Um, but uh, uh, in my view, I don't think we can vaccinate our way out of this. There's just, um, the, you know, we're, we're in the thick of the third wave right now, and it, um, it's hard to see how, uh, you know, our, our slow, steady, impressive vaccination rate is going to overwhelm the exponential uh, rise of the, uh, of the COVID virus and the implications of that. Can you put a timeline on it? Do you have any idea in terms of, you know, we have, you know, I think a lot of people would say we've, we're moving too late already. Um, but, you know, when we sort of take a look at the way these cases work, you know, going through the first and the second wave, when we see a case count like this, we know in two weeks hospitalizations will follow and then a week later ICU. Is there a timeline that you can map out and clearly see a trend? I can just tell you that in the second wave, it took three weeks after the strong restrictions were announced for hospitalizations and ICU to peak. And they peaked at about the same time in late December. So, yeah, we haven't yet announced those restrictions, so we have to look forward to that. I think the other thing that I, I really want to reinforce is, um, uh, you know, aside, it's great that we have this decreased mortality, but every single person in the ICU, every single hospitalization um, is a preventable um, illness. And so we know these are generally becoming younger. Uh, are, these are all real human beings that are suffering. And even those that don't get admitted have a risk of something called long COVID. So 10 to 30% of all infections, no matter 
what your age, no matter what the severity of your initial illness, are going to go on to have some long-term symptoms. And those symptoms can be anywhere from fatigue to shortness of breath to um, cognitive dysfunction to Mm -hmm. loss of taste and smell. Uh, In fact, somebody just tweeted out their story of losing their taste and smell. Uh, They're in month 13 of of having that gone. And, you know, it it seems like a minor thing. Oh, you've lost your taste and smell, like big, big deal. But for somebody who loves, you know, the taste of food, who loves the, she was talking about how she loves the smell of her children and and her husband, and she's lost that now. Um, You know, I don't want to minimize um, the the impact that that even something as simple as losing your taste and smell can have on on a patient. Oh, sure. And yeah, we're continuing to learn more about long-term effects as we go. Um, Doctor, thanks so much for your time this morning. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. That is Dr. Joe Vipond, an ER physician uh, down in Calgary, talking about what he's seeing. And uh, he was one of the doctors that was leading the call for um, some kind of action to be taken this weekend.